Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, there you go, buddy. A Tom Petty classic from 1989, Free Fallen. And I don't know that Tom necessarily wrote that song uh, as an homage to Joe Biden trying to get on Air Force One. But if he didn't, he missed a bat because uh, it certainly does fit the bill. It does. It does. And it, uh, it, it I was I was going to say, I wonder what we could possibly talk about that that would lead us into or or what we could stumble upon to uh, uh, to discuss. But uh, that's exactly right. A perfect music video um, for that uh, for that song by uh, your president and mine, uh, uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden, there he is. He's, uh, you know, stairs can be tricky. We want, you know, fair's fair. Stairs can be tricky. And, uh, you know, he, uh, I, for all I know, he doesn't have any stairs in his house. I've never been in his personal home. I, I understand there are stairs in the White House, uh, but there's also an elevator so he can avoid those stairs. And like I said, he may live in a ranch and just not be used to the things. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's big news. That's the top item of the week. We've got him falling down not once, not twice, but three times, and also giving his first press conference, which was a uh, humdinger, as they uh, said back in uh, your and my salad days, where he proceeded to read uh, pre-determined uh, answers from a briefing book. The good news is he announced he's running again, so that's he, he said that, so that's good. Um, for what we don't know, but he he is he is running again, and it does make you. Um, yearn for those Trump press conferences, like, for example, the one where he wished uh, Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell well during the presser, or the one where it was brought up that in the previous night's wrestling, uh, Vince McMahon's uh, limousine blew up and uh, he, he wished him well and hoped that he was OK. So <laughs> it's, it's moments like that you just don't have anymore. Yeah. And it's it leading people to, to, to say miss me yet because, uh, you know, we got a guy now reading from a a briefing book. Yeah. In fairness, you and I both lean more to the right, certainly than we do the left. But, you know, I like to think that we're, you know, relatively centrist and we certainly try to call balls and strikes fairly. Um, but I, I don't, I, I don't know how Joe Biden in all honesty makes it through four years of being the president of the United States. And I, I'm certainly not saying that anyone's going to, you know, try to kill him. No one wants to see that happen. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's the most stressful job in the world. There's no doubt about it. And he came into it 
you know, certainly having lost a few miles an hour on his fastball and it's already taking its toll. I mean, I, I, I don't know how the guy makes it through four years. He went 65 days without giving a press conference. You just can't do that as the president of the United States. And then when he did give one, you know, it was, it was grandpa Joe up there reading off a cue card. So how's he going to do four years of that? Uh, he's he's clearly not. And I think the most likely suspect, if anything happens, is probably Kamala Harris. But you will be um, uh, heartened to learn that he has put her in control of the crisis at the border. So uh, she'll be solving that problem for us. Well, and they have created a crisis. I mean, again, I, you can say what you will about any previous administration. right? I mean, our immigration policy and position is always going to be difficult. No sane, reasonable person who's ever read any history would say, oh, just throw the borders open. Let's see what happens. And yet that's what the Biden administration pretended they were going to do. That lured all of these poor folks to the border, right? Those who thought, well, under Trump, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to go through a process. But Biden's just going to let me in. And good Lord. I mean, if you thought that the crowding and quote unquote caging was bad, you know, over the last four years, Fasten your chin strap. Well, it's already happening. I, the, the reports out are that there are thousands of kids under the age of 16 in custody. There are mothers coming across the border with with infants nursing in these detention pens. There are people I think I think someone just died crossing the uh, crossing the river, dr- drowned. Uh, and there are just human traffickers who are just sending people over to uh, serve as um in the best case, um, you know, indentured servants, and in the worst case, you know, sex slaves, um, and they're getting like five thousand dollars a head. So it's it is a a tragic uh, a tragic situ- situation. But Kamala Harris will resolve it, as he as our president told us. So we're fine. Uh, so next, we've got the big COVID update. More and more people are getting vaccinated. As uh, you uh, were vaccinated recently and maybe could share your experience, you're still with us. I am. Yeah, I am uh, not a disembodied voice. My my body is still here. Yeah, we got our shot, my wife and I, um, last a week ago, last Friday. And uh, what did I which, which one did I tell you we got, buddy? Um, the Moderna. We the got Moderna. the Moderna shot. Yeah. And uh, it was fine. I mean, it was, it was as advertised. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not the greatest of examples because everybody in my family who lives where we do all got COVID. And so, you know, I fall into that category of folks who have had the, the virus, have the antibodies as a result of having that virus, and then had the shot on top of that. And so, I, you know, that obviously makes my chemical situation different from someone who, who doesn't already have the antibodies. But I can tell you that, you know, we, both my wife and I, a little soreness in the arm where you got the shot, a little tired, a little achy the day afterward, nothing that, you know, Advil didn't crush. And, uh, you know, by the following day, by Sunday, back in the fight, no problems. Good, good. So that's uh, good to report. So our listeners out there, and we have, uh, happy to say we have uh, about 10,000 of them at this wow. point. Um, so that's that's more of the big news, but they can um, they can take you as an example and then rush out and get that uh, Moderna vaccine. 
So the final item we've got here was given to us by our good friend, Robert Ignatius Burke, uh, who actually reached out to me to let me know that there is a move afoot to ban foie gras in Rhode Island and in other states. And I guess they've done it in some places. Ban it, right? Uh, so he asked that. <laughs> what, why the effort to do that? Well, I, I, he asked that we we bring it up in the barred or banned segment. And we're going to talk about the fact that because foie is made from the duck livers, right? Okay. And because I, I, the ducks fine. are force fed a fatty diet to fatten up their livers, uh, a lot of people are saying that that practice along with the consumption of said foie gras should be banned or barred, whichever is the more severe. And again, we've never really got to the bottom of that. Um, but Bob asked that we address it and give our opinion on it. His opinion is that uh, you should be able to eat as much foie as possible, um, which is really not that much as long as you want it, but you shouldn't be force fed the foie. I think I agree with all of that. I'm not sure I fully followed it. So what, 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 why, is, why is the barring or banning or, or et cetera taking place? We're worried about the ducks? The ducks, yes. We're worried about the ducks. So the, the treatment the, of the, the ducks. The treatment, the treatment of the ducks. Okay, well. So what well, I understand is that there, is, there are two facilities in the United States that make foie. And what they do is it's sort of, I guess, like a veal, making the veal or some of the Wagyu beef. They, but they, these are ducks. So these aren't yeah. cows. Yes. Ducks. So it's a different animal. And that's mm. one distinction you can draw. Yes, for sure. Um, and then they're, they're, the idea is to fatten up the livers. And then mm -hmm. you take the li livers, you make these delicious foie, foie treats. Yes. Um, I, I don't know a lot about it. I have had foie gras. It is fine. It's not my favorite. I, I wouldn't go out of my way to get it. Bob Burke's is very good. So, I mean, if you're in anywhere near Bob Burke and you want to enjoy some foie, go for it. Uh, but, um, you know, if it, if it does wind up disappearing off the face of the earth, it will not be heartbreaking for me. But well, you, could, you could almost say that Bob was hoisted on his own canard. Oh, that's clever, my friend. Yeah. That's yeah, clever. I just came up with yeah. that. That's I just good. came up with that. That's but good. I would bet, I would bet if you do a Venn diagram of the number of people that are offended by you and I eating the foie mm -hmm. and the people that believe that the veep is going to solve the border crisis, there is a full, it's just one circle. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's for sure. So there it is. Neither barred nor banned. In fact, we're, we're going to encourage you to go out and get some Hudson Valley foie and uh, do it in a saucepan, maybe a little bit of balsamic reduction, um, some, maybe some chutney, I don't know, uh, but have some this weekend. Yeah, go for it. Just don't eat too much because you'll get a tummy ache. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, next, so we, we, we've, we've established the foie uh, should not be banned or barred. It should be encouraged and enjoyed very often. Uh, RIP Corner, we've got three... Big ones this week. We've got Marvelous Marvin Hagler, Elgin yeah. Baylor, and the great George Siegel, the great actor. George Siegel. I didn't realize he died. George Siegel was uh, the A-team guy, right? No, that's George Papard. Ah, damn it. George, George Siegel, Siegel was fun with Dick and Jane. Oh, that's going back. Well, yeah, he was, he was about 100 and something. Um, yeah. But Marvin Hagler, 
pound for pound, great, great fighter, great fighter, great greatest fighter. prize fighter of the eighties. I thought, and uh, you know, he hit that, that first round with Hitman Hearns is oh. just artwork. It is yep. amazing. Yep. Uh, but anyway, gone too soon. We'll miss him. What a fighter. They don't make him like that anymore. And then Elgin Baylor, one of the great uh, basketball players from the early 60s, he experienced a lot of the, the problems that black athletes experienced in the 50s and 60s with the discrimination and the, the racism that they had to put up with and uh, and was just an incredible basketball player. And then um, later in life became the GM of the L.A. Clippers to the point where he set the record for number of times being at the NBA lottery because they were the worst team every year. <laughs> and he was the GM for like two decades. So he would every year he would just sit at that table and watch the balls bounce. And, and then he would never get the number one pick. Um, and he would always screw up the pick he did get. Um, but another, another great athlete, not so good, good GM, but you know, yeah. well, you can't, I mean, you can't have it all. Exactly. So now what I've got for you is a little, a little trip uh, back to remember back in the day when we used to do story time. I do. And usually for those of uh, uh, the, the, the 10,000 plus listeners who have been around from the beginning when this was only, you know, a couple of guys in a garage talking into cups, mm-hmm. uh, we used to do story time and that's where Brad would tell a story. Usually it was the same one every week. Um, and then Good story though. Yeah. It was, it was a barn burner. Um, usually about your days in the Navy, uh, boxing maybe, and, uh, you know, it would be a way to fill time. But I, my friend is, is, as many people know, I'm down here in Florida, sunny Florida. I'm trying to monitor the, uh, um, opening up of the, uh, economy here and how this is really one of the last bastions of freedom in the, uh, in the world. Um, but yesterday we had some friends up and so we decided to go to the national croquet center. Okay. Wow. So the, the National Croquet Center is in West Palm Beach. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is in a not, it's, it's sort of a dicey neighborhood, but it is like 15 croquet courts, right? All the big fields plot, you know, cut down to like, like putting green. And so me and uh, this friend of ours thought it'd be a good idea to go over there. Now, in our defense, we'd had a couple of cocktails, adult beverages for those of you um, listening in, in Europe. And we said, okay, it'd be a good idea to go over there and play a game of croquet. And so it was arranged for us to go over there. And um, we get over there. And of course, the first thing you notice, okay, it's like being in Naples, Florida, right? Everyone there is over the age of 90. Everyone. (laughs) I love Naples because it's the only place left on earth where people call me son. Yeah, well, you would have loved this because... (laughs) It, it, first of all, everyone there is is very, very they're, they're on the older side. I think the demographic for croquet is like, um, you know, it's, it's like got to be the, the median age is like 78 or 80. Um, and so we, we get in there. The first the first thing we notice. The second thing we know, and every court is full. Right. Every court is full. There are people on every court. Second nice. thing we notice is everyone is wearing nothing but white. OK, hmm. nothing mm-hmm. but white. And of course, we are wearing loud out like, you know color a lot of color yes. you know me very flamboyant and so we're like sitting there and we're wondering if it's a good idea to stay or just leave and the decision was made nope we're gonna stay hmm. and so we're just kind of looking for somebody to talk to about how we get out on the court because we had called before and we had preserved a court and so or field i don't know if they call it a court or a field but so yeah, we i don't know 
we, um, we, I come up to this one guy, he's sitting at a table and I said, Hey, um, we, we reserved a quarter. Are we going to be okay playing without wearing white? And he literally looked at me and he said, and keep in mind, he's 85, 86 years mm-hmm. old, dressed mm-hmm. in all white, having a, <laughs> having a Bud Light. And he looks at me and goes, it's never been done before. It's just never been done before. And so <laughs> it, 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 yeah, this happened. And so I, um, we're like, okay. And then this woman comes up to us and she's, she was, um, she was very young. She was spry 73, 74. Mm-hmm. She announced that her name was Flossie as in dental floss, Flossie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. And she said, look, the people you have to talk to are inside. There's this big clubhouse right? this big building and sure. every door has a letter as a, has a, a flyer on it that says you can't do not enter like skull and cross. Do not enter COVID. Do not enter. Because of COVID, you can't. So Flossie explains to us that that doesn't apply to everyone. And there's one set of doors that's open. And that's where all the action happens, right? There's a pro shop. Uh, She said she joined the club uh, a couple of years ago because of the bar. She said, the bar is great. You've got to, you got to see the bar. She's like, it's, it's the most amazing thing I've ever done. No one drinks like croquet players, my friend. Everyone knows that. Yeah. 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 So so we go in there. She takes us in. They, um, the, the, the woman who runs the place was like, yeah, you can, you can absolutely play. You don't have to wear all white. We'll make an exception. Yeah. I get the sense that they were looking to, you know, get a score off of our court rental and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, premium they get. It's a national croquet center. So we handed over our $15 for the two hours for the court. Um, and she took it gladly. You one, five, 15, um, shopped a little bit in the pro shop. They had some nice, everything white, nice, but I, it, it, it just wasn't my cup of tea. Got a nice hat. And then Flossie took us over to the bar. Now, the bar, have you ever been in a Chuck E. Cheese? I have, sadly and unfortunately, and hopefully never again. But yes, I have been in a Chuck E. Cheese. It looked like a Chuck E. Cheese after one of those kids' parties, right? But it was like a wood paneled room with a lot of croquet mallets hanging on the wall. Um, and like, you know, Cuddy Sark behind the bar and Drambui and, but it, it looked like it hadn't <laughs> nice. been cleaned in forever, certainly mm-hmm. since COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but then they had a nice little bar cart that was iced up and it had Bud Lights. It had some box wine. Um, they had uh, a couple of different scotches on there, uh, like well scotch and then a thing of mm-hmm. vodka and a thing of gin. And they were about to wheel that out for the happy hour that they do. Right. So the, the happy hour. So, you know, we're, we're, we're like, okay, we'll get a, um, we'll get a, a, a beverage. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we'll get one that costs mm-hmm. $3. And <laughs> we then go out to find our court. We're in court number four. And so every court's taken, right? All the courts are taken and they're like 15 of them, all of them taken. And so Flossie is still with us. And Flossie's like, look, I'll, well, the, I know the people on court four. there is a couple, mm-hmm. She's like, I know the people on court four. Um, maybe you'll have to play with them because they're members, but they'll, I'm sure they'll, they'll come. Sure. So we go over there, we go over to court four. And what we find on court four is Barry and Lois. Okay. Barry and <laughs> okay. Lois. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm picturing um, that in my head. Yeah. Okay. And I've got this on video. So this is, this is on video. Barry is probably about 87 years old. Okay. He's about six foot two. British. They spend yeah, three months okay. out of the year in Florida. Lois, God, God bless her. She's got to be 90 if she's a day. And Lois doesn't, she just kind of moves her feet 
really they're dressed all in white, of course, just moves her feet really, really, you know, shuffles, does like a shuffle yeah. thing. Yeah. And they're, they're just over there talking and they're like hitting the ball around and everything. And so Flossie introduced us and said, these guys paid to, for this court and, 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 and old Barry is like, look in a British accent, which I'm not even going to try to do. He's like, absolutely. We'd love to play you guys. Mm-hmm. And he's like him and Lois are going to he's like, but we have to play American roles. And he said, OK, I, I have not even knowing what that means. <laughs> I said, OK. And so you're going, you know, you go play croquet, you go through the wickets and you go around the thing. And so the way I guess it works in American roles is if you hit the other person's ball, you get to keep going. Right. And so you just reposition and hit and, and just keep going every time you hit the ball or get it through the wicket, the wicket. And so Lois right. gets up there 90 years old. Right. Like mm-hmm. barely can move sitting down on a folding chair between shots goes up there and damn near runs the court. Right. She like, she like hits my ball off the thing and then she repositions it and does it again. And she knocks hers through the wicket that gets her another shot. Then she goes back to my ball, which is like on the other end of the court hits it again and then positions the ball. (laughs) And she is just like going through this thing. And every time there's a little clip that is the color of her ball and she would Mm -hmm. just move it from wicket to wicket. It would take a while. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then old Barry gets up there and he does the same thing. And we're not, we can't, and we can't even get out of our own way at this point. We're just, right. you know, barely getting through the first wicket. And so, and, and Barry's giving us mulligans and giving us tips and he's speaking in, a, in, a, in, a, in an intoxicating British accent. And so look at our watch and my wife's calling me at this point. And we realize we've been there an hour and a half. Okay. And we're supposed to be back by now. And so we're both trying to figure out how the game ends. Right. And he then takes the, his mallet and takes his ball and hits it through the first one. Then he hits my ball off the court. Then he hits it through the second one. And then they just, you know, they shook our hands and and they shuffled off. Well, there you have it. You were soundly whipped in the game of croquet by an octogenarian and a nonagenarian from the Isle of, uh, of England. Well, there you have it. So there's story time. And then and then finally this week, we've got our presidential poll position. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, I everyone's forgot. been waiting for this. Yeah. I don't know how you could forget. Right. We've no. got the top bracket settled out in our final. It's the horse with no name. William Henry Harrison, 30 days in office, dead. So we're down at the bottom bracket now. Mm-hmm. And again, these are the um, winners of the first round that came through. Um, and are now meeting for the opportunity to potentially be eviscerated by the horse with no name that sent chills down the spine of John Quincy Adams. Correct. So we've got old Bob, Abe Lincoln's horse. Some would say it was a show horse, but I don't know. Some wouldn't, right? Yeah. And Thomas Jefferson's Carcactus. Correct. Correct. Caractacus, Caractacus, yes. yes. So how do you see this shaken out? Well, I, you know what? I see a little serendipity here with story time because very uncharacteristically for me, I finally broke down and did a little research on where this name Caractacus comes from. And sure enough, Caractacus uh, was a first century British chieftain who resisted the Roman conquest of Great Britain. 
which wasn't uh-huh. as great at the time. I think they just referred to it as Britain back in the first century. And so we're talking about a guy that was around during the time of Christ. And, you know, so if, if that doesn't get you like OG status in Britain, I don't know what does. And he resisted the Roman occupation of the land from which the two greatest croquet players ever. Lois and Barry. Right yeah. is the answer there. And they hail from Britain. I mean, I don't think that we can see the ancestors of Caracatus, you know, perform so amazingly in the United States, no less, where this horse race is taking place and not factor that in, not factor in that we've got a horse in this race named after the grandfather of Barry and Lois, who fought off no less of an occupying force than the Romans. On the other side, you've got old Bob, who, as we talked about, Abe Lincoln's horse, right? Um, He was also known as Old Robin. I'm not sure why. I haven't been able to get to the bottom of that yet. I tell you what, but this might be the toughest bracket yet because you have have all of these ties to Britain with Caracatuses and your croquet opponents and so i'm you know that pushes me in the direction of of that horse but then you find out you know bob was a stand-up horse Mm -hmm. this is a tough one for me this is a tough one for me too but i you know i i was leaning towards old robin bob um Mm -hmm. and what swayed me back to carcacticus is the research you did and the fact that there's probably significant overlap with my trip to the national croquet center in terms of where the results could be. So if you look at it and and I like to take things and and analogize them to things that I can understand. So if you look at it like a croquet match, um, I think Carcacticus is like Barry and Lois and, you know, old Bob is like me and my partner. We got crushed. So I'm, I'm going with the Brits. I'm going with Barry and Lois. I'm going with Carcacticus. I think, I think Carcacticus should, should advance to the final. Now, what happens there? I don't know. I don't give him much of a chance, but uh, at least in terms of getting into the final game, uh, I'm, going, I'm going with Jefferson's horse. You know what? I, I'm already on record as having said this was very difficult for me. I like the way you've laid it out. I tend to agree that the, you know, at least in the matter of history, Jefferson's horse is, you know, much better positioned than Lincoln's horse. And so I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue that I'm, I'm happy to see correct to, to cactus get through to the finals like yourself. I'm not even really sure he's happy to be there because now he's up against old no name, but and we look forward to seeing everyone for the finals of presidential poll position next week here on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.